0: All right, let's go to First Second Corinthians this morning, chapter two. Jesus told Peter, He said, "If you love me, feed my sheep." A lot of preaching is that to do with that too. In the, in the church, especially, that's why we meet together. We don't meet together to have an evangelistic meeting every service. That's not what the church is about. We're you know we're to take the gospel out there. You know, if we all claim here this morning to be saved, why then, uh, you know, we need more than just to be have the plan of salvation presented to us over and over and over and over again. We need more. So this message here is going to fit more in with the spiritual warfare that I've been preaching on for so long, but but it's things, it's just some simple advice this morning for you to have victory in your life. So the devil don't just work you over every time you turn around and got you in the corner. Every time you get up in the morning or go to bed at night. So let's just look at this verse. A couple of verses here. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read verses 10 and 11. It says, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it for your sakes... Forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. So, you know, just off the cuff, an extra for you here, one of the easiest ways that the devil can get an advantage of us is to be unforgiving. We ought to live in it. We ought to, It ought to be just the fiber of who we are is being, having a forgiving spirit. Not a condemning spirit, you see. Not a judgmental spirit. Con- a spirit of contempt toward other people. That should be absent from us. Advantage. Well, that means that any state, condition, or circumstance favorable to success. You give the devil an advantage and you're making it easy for him to kill you, destroy you. Make a mess of you. Don't want to give him an advantage. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God and thank you for the time we've had together. Thank you for the songs we've sang together. Thank you for the Sunday school lessons and, and the and the things we heard this morning. Please help us to take these things to heart and apply them in our life. Now please bless your Word, Lord. I pray you'd make, give it unction and help it to have... Uh, power to reach into our hearts and minds and pass the hardness, the deceit, the the blindness that we all have a measure of here because of this world around us and, and our attention that we give to it and the involvement we have with it. Help us, Lord, this morning, and I pray you'd clean us up and help us in this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, to keep in mind this, first of all. Do you know that the devil does not have an advantage over you unless you give it to him? Anything about that? That is true. Word is so weak and the devil's so strong, and, and it's just too easy for him to get us. Well, that's all right. Let me read you. Let me just quickly throw some verses at you. First John chapter four verse four: Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. How's the devil got an advantage if that's, the, if that's true? He don't. Unless you open a door and give it to him. Unless you hand him the reins. Unless you just let down all the guards and, and allow him to walk on you, he don't have an advantage. How about Romans chapter 8 and verse 37? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. Not just conquerors. We're not just winners. We don't just conquer and defeat the enemy. It's more than that. So he doesn't have an advantage unless we give it to him. This is what she's known about in Sunday school, Said It's our choice. It's our call. Now, we can have God or we can allow the devil to have an advantage, a part. We can give him a place. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James chapter 4 verse 7. What about that? Yeah. Resist. You know what that means? Say no. Yes, sir. Say get thee behind me Satan. Amen. I'm not going there. I'm not thinking that. I'm not believing that. I'm not listening to that. And he, he must stop. Give not place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. <laughs> Don't leave him a seat. Now, if anybody comes in here, we give him a place. We make a place for him. But if the devil comes in, we don't want to do that. If the devil comes into your house, don't give him a place. Don't give him a voice. Don't give him the microphone in your house or in your mind. Don't give not place to the devil. If you do, you're giving him an advantage. You're giving him an advantage lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We know that most of the time that's the way it's going to happen. He's unable to defeat us unless we give him that advantage. And a lot of times we give him that advantage when we're doing something we think is right. That's when we give him the advantage over us. And maybe. I, and I'm going to try to explain that just a little bit. There's a lot of things, a lot of ways we give the devil an advantage. We put our confidence in people, which is probably the number one way that we give Satan an advantage. You trust in people, you put your confidence in people, no matter who they are, and you're bound to be let down. Amen. Now that don't mean that we shouldn't trust anybody or that we shouldn't have some confidence in anybody. We must have confidence in one another and we must trust each other as a church or we ain't going nowhere. If everybody's suspicious, well, I mean, can't. But get the point here. People can change and we may find our trust and our confidence betrayed. Do you understand that reality and that probability in your life with other people? I've known so many people through the years and they start coming to church and the first time they're let, they encounter this, they're out, they're done. They say, ain't nothing to it, any." No, that's people. You're going to get let down by people. Most people look to be let down by other people they, because they look for faults and, and pretty soon, if they're looking, they're going to imagine one even if it's not there. It's just the way the devil works. He, if we're putting our confidence in people and we're looking toward people, then we're not looking toward Christ. Amen. See? He must have the preeminence. We've got to realize that not only can other people disappoint us, but we can disappoint other people. That's right. And so we've got to realize that we're all made out of the same stuff here and we're all fighting this battle together. And so if... One falls down, we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, not just throw one another away at the first little infraction. That's what he's talking about in the first part of this verse, forgiveness, which goes along with long suffering and forbearance and all the rest of it. We just put up with one another. We realize that that we can let one another down, and we can do all these things that shakes other people, but But we're looking to Christ. We all are. People can change. People can also be dishonest in who and what they are. And we always find out too late. You ever been deceived by somebody? Yes, sir. What do you think the the other disciples felt like when they found out about Judas? You ever consider that? Mm -hmm. We've not had to do it well. I don't know. You ever sat at a table with a Judas? You ever went to church with a Judas? Oh, I have. Lots of them. Does that change God's love, mercy, compassion, God's truth? Does it change heaven and hell? No, it don't change a thing. It's just people. So I'm saying that's how we give place to the devil most of the time is by looking to other people and expecting perfection from everybody else except ourselves. And then we're all disappointed when, when, it, when we see it. So we ought to only put our confidence in the Lord and not in other people. Psalm 146 and verse 3 says, Put not your trust in princes. Well, what that means and what it's saying is in the very best of people. Don't put your trust in the very best of people. Your confidence. Your confidence. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not that you don't trust them or have some confidence in them, but it's under what trust and confidence you have in God. It's not equal. If they fall, you go on. It doesn't wreck you because... Your trust and confidence is betrayed in somebody. Even if it's one of the princes. One of the better ones. Best ones. Nor in the Son of Man. That's everybody. Son of Man, that's a little S. That's not talking about Jesus. That's talking about the Son of Man. The human race. Don't put your confidence in the human race. In whom there is no help. Alright, Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Why? Because that's how the devil will get an advantage of you. You'll find yourself in trouble under the guns of Satan more often in your life because you put your confidence and hope in some other person than any other reason. You know, we enter into relationships and friendships and situations because... Uh, without considering the long run. That's how people get in bad marriages. Yeah. Satan's got an advantage of them. Very much so. Don't you agree with that? Get in a bad marriage, you got. You, Satan's got an advantage of you. You get in a bad friendship, a bad association. Do you ever have that happen? Huh. People befriend you and want to be your friend, and boy, it turns out bad in the end. Well, you can't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers or with people who say they're believers who really are not. So people will misrepresent themselves. So you can't do that. We give Satan an advantage when we venture off into his territory and mess around there you ever notice in the Bible in the Old Testament, there's a lot of pictures and types and all of that, but every time they, they went the wrong way, the Bible says they went down. Down to Lodibar. Down to Shechem. It was always down. <laughs> yeah, down to Tarshish. All right, now, you'll find yourself, you know, whether it's for entertainment or curiosity or searching for answers to questions, or to attempt to rescue someone else. Satan to get an advantage of you. You know, I've, I, maybe I shouldn't tell things like this, but is, this is a real story. It really happened. I know a preacher whose son went to a Bible college down in Florida, and the, the pastor the, who ran the whole deal sent the teenage boys down on the beach soul-winning. Now, what do you think about that? They're down there with women, almost naked, trying to win them to the Lord. Disaster, James. You got it right. Satan had an advantage. Do you see that? Don't you see how Satan had the advantage Who's gonna get saved? Nobody. Who's gonna get defiled and polluted? Those boys. That's right. So you go into his territory and tarry there. He's gonna have an advantage of it. It's like when two ball teams play or whatever. It's or if there's a war going on, it's whose turf is it on? That's why the ball teams want to play on their on their own home court. Maybe that's a pitiful example, but he knows his territory, right. and he knows, and he, and when you get on his territory, he has an advantage. So, boy, we could just park there and stay a while, couldn't we? Yeah. How much of the world do you love? Where do the where all the places you love to go and enjoy and be entertained and all that in the world? Does, does Satan get an advantage when we go out there? No, we have to get our groceries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we go out there when we don't even have to for. what we, The places we go just to entertain ourselves. Just to see what's there. Just to satisfy some curiosity in us about what they're doing and what it's like there. Just to be able to say that we've been there so we don't look like we're just some dumb hillbilly that ain't never been nowhere and don't know nothing. Peer pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when we go there, how does it work out for us? Usually. I'm old enough and experienced enough till I know how it works. The devil gets an advantage. He has an advantage on his own territory. So the best thing to do is what? Stay away from His territory. Stay in our own territory. Amen. Yes, sir. Now just take that and think about that. Sift through your life and figure out what you've got to do in this world and what you don't have to do. And is it worth the risk? If Satan gets an advantage, what can he do to you? What is possible that he could do to you? Fooling around out there in the place. You know how many men have lost their wives? Do you know how many wives have lost their husbands because they got involved in worldly things and worldly associations? And it started when they went a certain place. And started the involvement. You know how many families have lost their children or some of their children because of the same reason? You need to consider, like. You know, like even what you see on TV, what you listen to about everything. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no cussing and there's no nudity and there's nothing bad about it. And they even talk about God a little bit in it. Well, hallelujah. Believe for you. But here's the thing. Here's what I've learned through the years. It creates an appetite for more especially in children, but in everybody. And that's why when you started, you won't stay there very long. You know, people pipe the TV into their house and through the satellite or whatever they got now. There's so many ways now, Net, the Internet, Netflix and Amazon and every Hundreds of ways to get it in. And you can filter it where they bleep out all the cuss <coughs> words, I guess. That's what they tell me. But you know pretty well what they said when they bleep it out, don't you? Exactly. I've heard people, I've known them through the years, they wouldn't put up with that cussing when they started. But then after a year or two, <laughs> it's just too much trouble. Just let them cuss. Just go on by. You get used to it. Just like Lot did to Sodom. Yes. And now don't you tell me that the devil don't have an advantage on you. When you get calloused and and, uh, accustomed to the world and its filth and its profanity and its ungodliness and its blasphemy against God, Satan has an advantage of you. He sure does. More than you realize. So if he's got an advantage, what could he do to you? What could he do to your family? What could he do to your marriage? Y'all need to think about that. This is right this morning. We give Satan the advantage when we will not absolutely seek the whole truth in all things and walk in it. When we embrace lies or half-truths, no matter how small, we're making ourselves completely vulnerable to the devil. And I don't know how to make that any plainer than what I said there. But it's just something that you need to really consider. You must, be, you must seek the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And you must walk in it, not just know about it. You must walk in it, or else the devil has an advantage. He can tell you something and make you believe a lie much easier when you weaken that, that guard. When you stop questioning things that are, are you know wrong? The old preachers used to call it compromising, just softening up. They, they used to use terms like soft soap and the gospel. And well, what do they mean by that? Well, it means that you just started easing up on things that are wrong and worldly and anti-God, ungodly. And you just started absorbing a little bit of it. It doesn't stop with just a little bit. When we, you know, it's one of the greatest temptations, a personal face, is to believe something that is not true. Every sin I've told you all this so many times but every sin begins with a lie, a lie. And you lie to yourself. That's where it happens right there. The battle's where? In your mind. And the devil's working there constantly, telling you, suggesting to you, showing you stuff. Just like he did with Jesus. He took him up on the pinnacle of the temple and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He looked, showed him the stones. See, that's what the devil's always doing in your mind. Look over here. Look at this. Think about this. Mm-hmm. What if you had this? You can, you know. Right. And so your mind's are thinking all that stuff. And it's... Everything the devil said to the Lord was a, a half-truth. He mixed truth with lies. Mm-hmm. It is written, the devil said. Well, it is written. But he turned the truth of God into a lie. In an attempt to stop the hurt and lessen the damage from sin, we'll believe a lie especially about our children or any loved one, we'll believe a lie much more easily and readily in order to ease the hurt and lessen the damage from sin. That's why people won't believe anything bad about their kids. You know, we've talked about it before. You know, Christian schools, we've been around, and the kids mean it's the devil, doing everything under the sun, Wicked. And you can show the proof to the parents and they'll say, not my kid, you're lying. My kid wouldn't do that. And everybody knows they did. And they did. But mommy won't believe it. Why is she believing a lie? Because she don't want to endure... It's selfishness on her part. She don't want to believe this about her little darling. And therefore dooms his soul to hell. Now we're not ignorant of his devices, the verse says there. We know exactly how he works. Now if you know any, know anything hardly at all about your Bible and you know Christ, then you are not ignorant of the devil's devices and this whole thing I've been preaching for two years here on spiritual warfare is about that right there trying to emphasize how he works, where to look. We're to watch for because he does the same thing. He does the same things. He's not got a bag of tricks. He uses the same M.O. ever since the Garden of Eden. And it works for him. That's why he don't change anything. And if we just wise up and realize what he's doing, who it is that's talking to us when it's him, then we'd have a lot more victory in our life here. And a lot less sorrow and misery and disaster. His specialty is deceit, and therefore he majors on misinformation or lies more clearly. That's his that's his game. The devil is what did Jesus say? So he's a murderer, but he's a liar. He's a liar. Therefore, we ought to strive with an honest heart to confirm everything we see, hear, or or read as true. Y'all listening to me. Before we allow it to become a part of our view of things and change our opinions, we better check it out. Have you learned that in this misinformation age? That you better stop before you repeat something you read or seen on the internet because it's not very likely, not true. You look like a fool when you repeat something that turns out to be a fake. That's another word for life. Don't let some bit of information that you got or some whole truckload of information you got somewhere change what you believe, what you, how you see, perceive, the truths of God and the world and life and eternity. Don't let it change your opinions until you make sure that it's really true. How you do that. What is truth? this is truth it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart yes sir it's it's the way it's the way you discern truth see the world says it's just a book of myths they say it's a, it was written by men so therefore they don't believe it but they believe Darwin he wrote a book and they believe it he was a man they believe everything else men write Men write about Bigfoots and UFOs and ghosts and and leprechauns and rainbows and they believe every word of it. They believe everything crazy, but not this, because this one, it uncovers their lies, And it'll help you. It'll deliver you. It'll keep you from destroying your life and the lives of others if you just... Go to this book and check out what you hear, what you read, what you even see with your eyes. The devil will mix truth with lies, and that's a very subtle trick. But it works so well for him most of the time, and he is absolutely cunning at it. He knows how to use the Word of God. That's what he did with the Lord himself. He came to the Lord in the desert. In the forty days of temptation, and that was his first words every time. It is written. Let me show you what the Bible says, Jesus, right here. Now, if that's true, show me. Turn those stones into bread. You're hungry. You can do it. Bible says you. Yeah. Jump off of this pinnacle. Bible says the angels will deliver you and catch you. Ain't no danger if you're the Son of God. Just go ahead and jump off. Bible says you can do that. Mixing truth with lies. He makes evil appear good, and good appear evil. And he can only do that with minds that have been influenced by lies. Remember that. You're not going to see evil as good unless you've already swallowed some of the lie. Remember that. You're not going to look favorably upon evil and ungodliness unless you've already got some of it in your soul that you've swallowed from the devil. He's already got an advantage of you. The devil will do that. His end goal is always the opposite of God's will and way. What does God want for us? Life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. But the devil, what is he about? He, he, ro- he goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He, is, he only comes like the thief to kill and, and steal and to destroy. He's the destroyer. And that's his end game. Don't ever forget that. You don't want him to have an advantage of you. You want to have the advantage. Over him. And you can. If you listen to these things. It's very simple. He'll lie to you. Don't believe his lies. Stay in the word of God. So you know the truth. And, and so you'll recognize a lie. When you see it. Can you take every detail of everything you read. And see in this world. And go to the Bible and find. Well. Maybe not. But you, if you read the truth. And you, and you buy the truth. And sell it not. If you seek to know, you'll find. You, you seek, you'll find. You ask and it'll be open to you. He, these promises are in there. It's like, the, you know, they. how do the bankers learn to recognize counterfeit money? That's right. They don't show them all the different kinds of counterfeit money that's ever been made so they can remember all of them and if they see one, they can recognize it. No, they teach them the... Ver- the detail, details about the real one. So when they see one that's not matching to the real one, they know this is a counterfeit. Not real. It's a lie. It's fake. Yes. Sir. That's how you know in every, every issue of life, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. You'll be able to recognize the counterfeit, the lie. The devil lied to you, you can just... <laughs> That ain't true. can't be true because the Bible says this. His battle is aimed... Wait a minute, I want to say one other thing there. We ought to always watch others when they stray from the truth and righteousness and observe closely where those roads lead outside the influence of God's truth. There's a thing you ought to do in your family with your children... You ought to watch people. There's always somebody that's headed out the door. In our, all of our circles of acquaintance, we see young people, children, heading down the wrong path. When you see that, you ought to point it out to your children and say, now just, I want you to watch. If they don't turn around, if they keep going down this road, I want you to be watching what happens to them. Because these roads lead to the same places. And it's a, it's a great edifying thing when you are able to see that. Every sinner that's ever been, all the billions of people that's ever lived, and the wages of sin is death, and sin when it's finished bringing forth death, and every person that's born grows up and thinks they're going to be the one to get away with it. I think I'll try it too. <laughs> I always think, brother... Harvey, over our preacher, he said when Samson was fighting those Philistines, he said with that jawbone, how many did he kill? A thousand. But he said there was 998 of them dead and two left. And one of them said to the other, I believe we can take him. That's how it is. That's how people think. I can get away with it. Nobody else ever has, but I'm not the dummy like them, I know. I'll commit the perfect crime. Has anybody ever done it? Of course not. So watch. Watch. His battle's aimed at your mind. Because if he can gain control of your mind, he'll soon have your heart and your will also. There's endless ways we can give the devil an advantage over us. We've got to look at this matter as a fight. Or a warfare. And from that You know, from the devil's viewpoint, this is how he sees things. And God told us that this is really the way it is. He is a roaring lion and we're the prey. And that's how he goes about his business. He's going to get us. He's going to get you. Can you get that concept in your mind that you have an enemy like that? You're worried about somebody don't like you or... Somebody that don't treat you like you think they ought to treat you. Who probably really loves you. You're worried about that. And the devil hates you and wants to destroy you. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, the devil wants you destroyed. He wants all you little girls. And these, one little boy we got back there. And all the rest of us. He don't ever give up. don't give up because you're old. About done, you don't say, well, I've I've spent enough time on that one. No, he never gives up. He's relentless and he doesn't rest. He just keeps coming back and coming back. Do you realize you got an enemy like that? Are you just drifting along in the flowery uh, little raft on your way to heaven? Singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, and everything's going to be fine, and, and all the world is for me. Now you better realize you got an enemy. Yes, sir. He's, wanting, he's stalking us, and he's always attempting to lay a snare for us. Snare. Think about this. A snare is to entangle. No man that entangleth himself with the affairs of this life it's going to win the crown. He's just not going to. A, a snare is being entangled. It's like a net that you just get all tangled up in and then what, what's going to happen to you? You're done. Then the devil can do whatever he wants to. What, what is those animals you catch in the traps wide in the winter time? What can they do when you come up? Nothing. What can you do to them? Anything you want to You can shoot them. You can just leave them there to die. Miserable, slow, lingering death. They are totally at your mercy. And the devil don't have any mercy. You don't want to be ensnared by the devil. And that's his goal. is to get you entangled. In something. How do we get entangled? Well, we start going places, associating with people, and the first thing you know that we shouldn't And the first thing you know, we're entangled. Did you ever get involved in something and can't get loose? That's what it means. Did you ever get involved in something and wish you had never started this? Now you can't get out of it. That's what his goal is. Better be careful entering into things. When we allow ourselves to be in some state of mind, listen to me, or circumstance that's favorable to Him, we're giving Him an advantage over us. And we're in danger of being deceived by Him. You see, it's not just the places you go and the people you associate with, it's what you allow your mind to wander around in also. Are y'all listening to me? The battle is in the mind. And if you just sit around feeling sorry for yourself, or figuring out who's to blame for my problems.
1: <laughs>
0: right. Or despairing because of the trouble and the, or whatever. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. There's another verse I'm thinking of. Uh, my mind is stayed on thee. What's the rest of that verse? Anybody can? Anybody help me with that? Me peace. There you go. There you go. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But what if you don't keep your mind stayed on God? No peace. peace. First thing you know, you're in big trouble. So don't give the devil that advantage by lingering in a state of mind that weakens you to him. Allows his entrance into your mind. Is gonna have an advantage. Why do people end their own lives and things like that? And it's it's it is it is uh, well, I can't even come up with the word I'm trying to say. But it's completely out of control. It's rampant right now. That that's that people are doing that. Where? Why? What's going on? It's in their mind. The devil has got in their mind and convinced them that there is no hope and no way out and no way forward. You better guard your mind. You better keep your spirit against him. Because that's what he's trying to do to you. It's not just the outside influences if you let him in your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Guard it! From him. Your mind is a member of your body, just like it's a faculty that God's given every one of us, and we can think about what we want to think about. That's
1: right. Yes, sir.
0: If not, then the devil has control of your mind. You're done. If you can't say to the devil in your mind, when he starts floating those thoughts across to you and suggestions, that's where he does it. That's where he did it with the Lord. It was in his mind. He suggested these things. That's all he can do. Lie to you and suggest it to you. And then you take it and do what you want to. You can say, get thee behind me, Satan. You can think on the things of God. Great peace have they which love thy law, whose mind is stayed on thee. There you go. There's your answer. The devil flees. He ain't going to stay around that. That is true. I know that it's true. By experience. Not just sitting here telling you verses about it. Try it. If we fail to walk in the light of God's Word, led by His Spirit, we cannot see the traps the devil has set for us. Therefore, he has a great advantage and, and a great chance of destroying us. You've got to walk in the light as He is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we walk out in an open field with no protection or ready place of refuge, he has a perfect opportunity to shoot us down. Hey, what about church attendance and fellowship with the saints of God? I mean, if you're just if you're a lone wolf and you're just wandering around out in the open, are you safe? No, you're not safe from the devil. You're an easy target. For Him. You're an easy prey. For Him. Alone. Better stick close to the flock. Yes, sir. If we walk right into His lair. Where all His loyal servants are. We're very likely to be ensnared by them. Entangled by them. What communion hath darkness with light? Huh? What fellowship None. None. Anytime you're on the enemy's own territory, he will have an advantage of you because he knows so well where his roads lead. All he has to do, are you listening to me? He just has to direct your turns along the way. See, that's how he does it, little by little. Just... One little thing here and another thing, he, he just directs you to where He knows you're going to end up. You don't know where you're going to end up. Right. And that's one of the things that I stand amazed at. And when I look back on my life, I think how cl- what a close call it was so many times when there was a fork in the road. And I, incli- I was inclined to go that way, but I didn't for some providential intercession uh, whatever I don't know intervention didn't and if I had went that other way we were talking about it yesterday so many places that would have took us to different pl- ending all together and see the devil knows where all his roads lead And so all he's got to do is just convince you one time to take the wrong turn when you're in his territory Now the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he directeth. Delighteth in his way. Yeah. But uh, there's some more. There's another verse here. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So you're not going to get lost following God. If God's leading you And if you're resisting the devil and you're not ignorant of his devices, and you don't give him that advantage, you're safe. Lest the devil get it lest Satan get an advantage of us. All right, there's just a couple more things here. We're doing good. Anytime you lay down your weapons and set your mind on something else, he'll have an advantage over you. Those tares in the wheat, when did they get sown? You know what the Bible says? While men slept, the enemy came and sowed the tares in among the good seed that the farmer had sown. Some of the worst things that will ever come into your life will be slipped in while you're busy doing things you think you must and aren't paying
1: attention. That's
0: what I said at the very beginning. The devil will get an advantage when you're doing what you think is the right thing to, that you ought to be doing. We need to have a broader view than than just this little narrow view that most people have. Anytime you believe false information, whether about the enemy or about your own people, the enemy will have an advantage over you. I don't know if you're all listening. I'm saying some many things here, but... D- don't believe false information about anybody. Here's the deal. If you believe false information about your own people, you'll lose your will to fight the enemy. And if you believe false information about your enemy, your plans against him will be foiled. That's, right. That's part of warfare, yes. is misinformation. you got to make them think you're going to hit them here when you're really going to hit them over here. you got to fool them. And that's something? That war, the insanity of war, is just, man, the devil knows how to fight a war. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And men do it just like he does. So beware. Misinformation. Have you learned, are you far enough along in life yet to have learned to not believe evil reports without... Checking it out and making sure it's absolutely true. You'd think in this, this real advanced generation that we live in that have come to understand morality better than any that's ever been, you would think that they would be pretty good about that, you know. <coughs> like not being uh, being considered innocent until proven guilty, you'd think they'd be all for that, but it's not that way, is it? It don't matter who you are. You may be one of these wicked entertainers or politicians, but look what happens to them. If they can hire somebody or find anybody that is willing to give an evil report about them, what happens? Does everybody say, now wait a minute, that might not be true. Does anybody say that? Oh, look at this. He is a low-down devil. He deserves to lose everything he's got and be put in prison or strung up. They'd kill him if they could get away with it right now. While they're doing the same things and worse. And he may be innocent. Is that a possibility? that somebody would lie about somebody else who they hate and want to destroy? Is it a possibility that they would lie about that? They hired false witnesses against Jesus. And you don't think they'll do that now against anybody? It's the easiest way to destroy somebody. Yes, That's the kind of world we live in. It, a preacher or anybody else. Now there's, there's a bunch of, of them that's guilty. And yes... But it's not right to just believe what somebody says with no evidence and no proof. That ain't right. What if they're innocent? I remember reading years ago about a Methodist preacher that spent most of his life, later life in prison and in the end, he was innocent. He was falsely accused that some lying liar lied about him. And there's hundreds if not thousands of just normal people that got put in prison the same way. You're seeing it more because of the DNA and all that and they can go back and if they have DNA evidence they can check it out. And a lot of them... I remember seeing an old black man that had spent like uh, 38 years, I think it was, something like that, in prison. And they proved that he was innocent. They took his life... And what's amazing is he come out not bitter. He come out thanking God. He didn't know God when he went in. But he was innocent. Told him he was. But The devil's dirty. And the people who are ensnared by him, man, they fight just like he does. The devil will do you that way. So I'm warning you. Be careful with him. And be careful with this false information. It's real. It's a common thing. It's it's very common. He uses it a lot. Anytime you fail to conform to the rules of engagement or fail to follow orders from those who are leading the battle, you're giving the enemy an advantage. Now, I remember preaching here a year or two, ago on the rules of engagement. <laughs> and... Uh, And that's just a whole other subject, but it's a point here. You have to fight the good fight of faith. And in order to do that, you have to do it the way God says to do it. And instructs us to do it. Mm -hmm. He that uh, runneth is not crowned, except he run lawfully. You can't cheat. (laughs) You can't cut across the... The whatever you call it, the track, just cut across the middle and get in front of everybody, and then win the crown. Don't work that way. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta strive lawfully, run lawfully. So God has a way for us to fight this spiritual fight. The issue Paul gives here just before these statements is forgiveness. Some of the most important identifying characteristics of a Christian are love and forgiveness. Let me just tell you this and we'll close. But when those things are laid aside, Satan indeed has a great advantage over us. When love and forgiveness become rare among us instead of common, when they become second place or third place or last of all instead of first of all, then Satan has an advantage of us. You really love one another. You really forgive one another and have that kind of spirit. Satan just can't get an advantage. Whatever he does, it's overcome by that. It's erased by that. It's put away by that. It's amazing how the Word of God is and how this verse really just puts so much in one verse here. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. Not everybody's that way. You know. There's people who are done wrong and they forgive the one who did them wrong. But their children won't forgive them. Some of the other people in the church won't forgive them because they did wrong. Paul said, if you forgive them, I forgive them. That's the way it is. If you can forgive them, I certainly can. If the one that... God suffered the wrong, can forgive, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. He forgave for the sake of others. You know, people get selfishness all involved in forgiveness. It's all about me forgiving them. No. Let me tell you something. When you look around, At what it's going to cost, if you don't forgive, Mm -hmm. that'll be a great incentive for you to forgive for others. He said, for your sakes, I forgave it in the person of Christ. I've had to forgive some people (coughs) for some terrible things done to me, Paul said. But I did it for your sakes. For an example... But also for the great cost it would have been if I hadn't. If I refused to forgive, what's it going to do to you? What's it going to cause for everybody else? Devil can't work in that kind of atmosphere, among that kind of people. I mean, he is. His weapons are neutralized. His lies are revealed and uncovered. Y'all understand that? That's real. Remember that. Very important. So. Don't let Satan get an advantage of you. Does he have an advantage now? Think about it. What is there in my life that gives him the advantage over me? Is it something I'm involved in? Is it people I'm involved with? Is it circumstances that I am involved in? Is it my mind that I'm just allowing, I'm just leaving the door open and he's able to access my mind? And trouble me. And cause me to think things. and Think about it. The devil got an advantage over you. Or are you fighting the good fight of faith? I think about it a lot. Paul said said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Finished my course. I've kept the faith. Are you ready to say that now? I mean, can I say that? If I knew this was the last day for me, would I be able to say with confidence and honesty, well, I've fought a good fight. I resisted the devil. I realized the enemy. And I did what I could to resist him. And I did what I could to keep him away from me and mine and causing anybody any harm. Everybody's been loose and careless and allowed things in to my home, my mind, my family, my language, whatever. It gave the devil an advantage. When you see some of your kids lost, you're going to realize the truth of this message here. You gave him an advantage. And you just didn't realize it. You weren't attentive enough. You weren't diligent enough. You didn't take it seriously enough. The fact that you've got an arch enemy who's out to destroy you and hurt you. And if he wants to hurt you, I mean, if he just wants to hurt you, what's the best way he can do it? Beating you up, no, beating up your children, yes. beating up your spouse, your family, others that you love, beating up somebody else when you and having and making sure you realize that it didn't have that you are partly at fault because it happened. Yep. Yes, you're right. Don't let him have an advantage. Amen. Bow with me. We'll have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the the time together thank you for the word of God the message the warning to all of us please help us to take it seriously and go out of here and fight the good fight and realize the enemy be aware of the situation and do what we can with your help and your wisdom and guidance to have victory in this life right here now not let the devil get any more ground than he's already gotten, and help us to take it back what he has stolen Please bless the word to heart now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Come back tonight. We'll planning on preaching on Jesus He bore Jesus bore my sins in his own body on the tree. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glad we got a friend in Jesus. Not just if we were here and the devil was our enemy and we didn't have a friend that sticketh closer than the brother. We didn't have something something bigger than the devil on our side, we'd be in trouble for sure, wouldn't we? Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Amen. All right. Beg I got a word? I'll give you, I'll let you say something if you want to. Well,
2: I, I wanted to say this. I, For somebody who, forgiveness played such a role in my salvation, not just with Christ, but with earthly people that I had hurt through my own selfishness. Forgiving people was my, my first battle that I felt like the devil really... And tried to get with, you know, to have over me and advantage over me. And that was something that I had to. Uh, and you'd you think, you know, if you're forgiven for much, you'd be willing to forgive, but it was my problem, my biggest problem. And I felt like that was the thing that he tried to get me to do is to not forgive. You know, he offended me, or, you know, it would always be about him or somebody else. And, 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 and then I realized that. That was my problem all along, is I had a very unforgiving spirit. That's why I justified things in my own life.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And when I dealt with that, I feel like he he lost such an advantage over me. And Teresa told me this early in my Christian life. She said, forgive quick and often. And, you know, I did. I tried to take that to heart, and things got easier. (laughs) The walk got easier to do. And so I feel like if you don't get that you sure are gonna you're gonna lose at a lot of
0: things. Well I think a lot of people miss sin. They think sin is vices and you know, drinking and all that kind of stuff. Well that is sinful stuff. But the biggest sin, the biggest thing the devil gets us to do that is so offensive to God is to hate one another. Absolutely. And hatred is a it's a prerequisite for murder. That's that the road of hatred leads to murder. Jesus said so in the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. And and so you know the devil's a murderer from the beginning. So you see who's got you. So who's got the advantage if you're hating somebody. That's
1: true. Right. Yes, he's sir.
0: got he's got you. I feel like it's the easiest
2: thing for him to do too. Yes. Because you know, we're so susceptible to it. Yes. As far as just you know, doesn't even have to be hate at first. It can just be like yeah. hurt feelings or you know. Just differences of personality and opinion that yeah. you're skating each other over.
0: Why did they spit in Jesus' face? And why did they beat him with a rod? And why did they crucify him? They hated him. How could you hate him? Because you believed a lie. That's right. That's right. It's the devil's way. Don't fall into it.
2: The problem we get is we get bitter whenever yes. we have something like that in our heart, and the bitterness doesn't—it doesn't hurt the person that we hate. It hurts us. Yeah. It'll eat us like a cancer. Well,
1: if
0: somebody hates us, it really incites us to hate them back. Right. If if the love of God is not in you, it's what men do.
1: And you disarm them when you forgive. Them.
0: You totally disarm them. Yep. That's, right. That's why you overcome evil with good. Right. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how it works. That is how the deal works. Amen. My, my biggest
1: problem is that my mind. I don't have much of it left anyway. But it, I find myself, my mind wondering wandering way
0: yeah brother Kenny called me the other night and one of the things he said he said oh brother I just where the troubles at he said I don't have trouble with anything else he says, it's just my mind you know and uh, I guess he didn't elaborate on it but I guess just the loneliness and, and the devil just a pound and you know making you know all kinds of accusations and it's what he does That's right. He is the accuser of the brethren. And that that don't mean just in heaven before God's throne. That means He accuses me to you and you to me. And He's always... That's why one of the things God hates is He that soweth discord among brethren. Trying to make everybody not like each other, hate each other, have aught against one another. God said, you can't even offer an offering to me. If that's what you got in your heart. If you come to offer your gift at the altar and you remember that, that a brother has all against you, just leave your gift there and go get it right. And then come and offer your gift. What does God want? How do we, why, how do all men know we're His disciples? Then we have love one to another. So you see how it all works. It's all tied together. righty. Everybody's heart clear now? Ready to go home? Alright, just go ahead. Proverbs 4, 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Yes, ma'am. Keep, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart. Amen. Alright, let's go to the house. Come back later. Appreciate everybody being here.